I can. Can you hear me? I hear you loud and clear. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you very much. It's a plum pleasing pleasure as well as a privilege to be here to share some time with you. Absolutely. The pleasure is all mine. I want to say good afternoon, good evening, good morning to everyone who's joining in with us today. If you are tuning in live with us, of course you are. You're here. And I'm so grateful. So go ahead and love, like, and share. Tell people to come on in. We are here live with none other than the Godfather of Greatness, the master motivator himself, my coach and mentor, none other than Mr. Les Brown. And so for episode number two of Who Wouldn't Serve a God Like This? So it's my mission, my goal, and my desire to share with the world the crisis or the traumas that God has permitted in our lives and the triggers, those defining moments that is or was used to strengthen our faith and then our triumphs to, above all, glorify God and to help others. All right. So good evening, good evening, good evening, Mr. Les Brown. Thank you. Good evening. It's a pleasure to be here with you. Yes, sir. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's definitely an honor to have none other than Mr. Les Brown, my coach and mentor, the master motivator himself. Like I said, he's the godfather of greatness. This man has a heart of gold, really is shows up in the work that he does to touch the millions of lives that he has touched across the country. He aspires to help people win in life in a big way. You have no idea how you have pushed me beyond my greatest barriers. I'm telling you to to change my life in so many ways and how you have, you accepting the call on your life has really pushed me into my greater purpose and have impacted and changed my life in so many ways and so many levels. Through the Power Voice and now the Hungry to Speak platform, a platform that you created for speakers to learn how to package their story and allow us to tell our story and connect with like-minded individuals around the globe. It allowed me to dig deep, uproot those old paradigms, gave my words a safe place to land. And your story, your story, Mr. Les Brown, inspired me to launch this podcast, Who Wouldn't Serve a God Like This? Because when I heard your story, that, those were the first words that came out of my mouth. Wow. Who wouldn't serve a God like this? Nobody could write that script like that. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it allowed me to allowing the person that I was a couple of months ago to die so that I could give birth to the person that I am meant to become. And with that said, I could go on and on and on, on and on and on. That's Brown himself. Yes. Uh, So, you know, I I agree with you. Who wouldn't serve a God like this? And you have a presentation that you want people to see. Why don't we start with that and we'll talk on the other side of it. Absolutely. So here we go. Let me get this started. You have something special. You have greatness in you. I've heard it said that there's some things you can't see looking forward, but you can only see looking backwards. I've been known for speaking and changing people's lives all around the world. 
using my voice and the ability to tell a story in all types of situations. I often talk about the fact that I'm here because of two women. One gave me life, that's a person that I had never seen. And one gave me love, that's the person here holding me and my twin brother, Mrs. Mamie Brown. God took me out of my biological mother's womb and placed me in the heart of my adopted mother. And I had no idea being raised in poverty. We were poor, but we didn't know we were poor. And something in me, I don't know exactly when it happened, but I remember one day when I went to an event and I saw Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. speak in Miami. And I went to see Malcolm X. And I was so moved by their oratorical skills. I said, I want to do that. I was so impressed with Malcolm X that I went to school the next day and said that my name was Leslie X. And the teacher called my mother, this is Mamie Brown. And that was the end of that. <laughs> she beat that X out of me. <laughs> But I used my voice as a radio personality. And there was something just kept driving me. I organized demonstrations in Columbus, Ohio, and led demonstrations against police deadly use of force and police brutality that ultimately led to my getting fired in the 70s and led groups of over 5,000 in the morning in the snow. I became a state representative elected to the Ohio legislature. I was elected three terms, a chairman of the education committee and human resource committee, passed 14 bills my first term using my voice. I resigned when my adopted mother was diagnosed with breast cancer and fulfilled my promise that she would never go into a nursing home and I came back home to take care of her. Using my voice, I became a community activist in Miami, Florida, and once again, fighting against things that were maintaining our detriment, using my voice. I developed a reputation and was invited to speak at Harvard University. I became a compelling speaker and known for telling stories and selected by the National Speakers Association and given their highest award, the CPAE Award, Council of Peers of Excellence, using my voice. I received the highest award from Toastmasters International, the Golden Gavel Award. I was selected among the top five speakers in the world, General Norman Schwarzkopf, Leah Coca, Robert Schuler, Paul Harvey, and myself. I often wondered, where did I get this from? I said, some things nature and some things nurture. I was paid $5 million to do a talk show, the Les Brown show. I had no idea. Where did this gift come from? I, I often thought, did I get it from my father or uh, did I get it from my mother? I've spoken on platforms with Richard Branson in South Africa, Robert Kiyosaki 
and other top speakers from around the world. And my oldest son went on a search, unbeknownst to me, and through some research found my birth parents and discovered that my grandmother, Beulah Rucker, who was a motivational speaker and educator, and she started a school. She taught herself to read and listen. Articles said she was hungry to learn. So hungry. She taught herself the alphabet and, and how to read with newspaper that was used to insulate the walls of the cabin that she stayed in to keep the cold winter air out. And she went to a school and and the day that she had to register, she had no money and she stood before the head of the school and held out both her hands. And when he asked, where's your money? And she said, these hands can work. And he sent her down the line and she came back being persistent because she was hungry to learn and said, once again, these hands can work. And he looked at her and I'm sure there was something in his mind that said, she is not going to be denied. And he let her in the school and she worked for him and other instructors at the school and she graduated with honors and went back to Gainesville, Georgia and taught veterans and, and people in the community, adults and children, how to read and taught them how to teach others how to read and taught them how to be hungry to learn. See, this thing called life, if you're not willing to learn, no one can help you. But if you're willing to learn, no one can stop you. And they develop all types of skills that will allow them to become entrepreneurs and control their own future. My grandmother. And that which was in her, she obviously passed it on to my mother, Dorothy Bell. And my mother, she was a motivational speaker like her mother. And she traveled all over Georgia and the country speaking. And she played the piano and she sang and she had a bubbly personality. And she loved helping people. I wondered where I got this gift from and now I know. And so my oldest son, unbeknownst to me, went on a search for his grandparents. And he found them, pictures of them. And I talked to a brother that I did not know I had and went to the Beulah Rucker Museum, my grandmother. I called him and I said, Dorothy Bell is my mother. And he said, well, that's my mother too. So that makes us brothers. And I went there to visit him and I got to the museum first. And all I could say to myself was I found them and now I know why I am who I am, where I came from and where I got my voice from. Oh, I feel like Mother Teresa who said, just when I thought I got a handle on life, the handle broke. This discovery opened up a whole new world for me. To God be the glory.
It's a long shot, ladies and gentlemen, from Liberty City, an abandoned building on a floor. Never knowing my mother or father. It's a long shot. Being here with you today in this dome in Atlanta, it's a long shot. No college training, labeled, educable, mentally retarded. But I kept running toward my dream. Don't stop. Don't stop. Don't stop running toward your dream. Absolutely. Okay. So I know what your bio says, but in your words, well, I wasn't going to say your bio because the the clip, the video clip pretty much told your bio. Yes. So I can, I'm going to read a little bit of your bio for those of the ones who don't know who you are. I couldn't, I cannot imagine nobody not knowing, but there was a time when I didn't know who you were, like maybe almost 20 years ago, okay? So it might be some little uh, whippersnappers on here who don't know. <laughs> so as one of the world's most world-renowned motivational speakers, Les Brown is a dynamic personality, a highly sought-after resource in business and professional circles for Fortune 500 CEOs, small business owners, nonprofit and community leaders from all sectors of society looking to expand opportunity. For three decades, he has not only studied the science of achievement, he's mastered it by interviewing hundreds of successful business leaders and collaborating with them in the boardroom, translating theory into bottom line results for his clients. As a premier keynote speaker and leading authority on achievement for audiences as large as 80,000, you heard me right, I said 80,000, 80,000, Les Brown energizes people to meet the challenges of the world around them. He skillfully weaves his compelling life story into the fabric of our daily lives. The thread is forever strengthening, taunting why you can't afford to be complacent and to aim high, achieve and actively make an impact on the world, and so on 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 and so on. My, my, my. I think we would take all of our days to read all the accolades that, you know, you have accomplished over your lifetime. But what I want to talk about is your story and the traumas that you've had in your life that God has allowed to have in your life. And then those triggers that built your strength, right? Because in the Bible, it says your trials come to make you strong. And my, you have had some trials. And then we're going to talk about those triumphs that leads to, you know, why God allowed those things to happen in your life to give him the glory. 
in the end. Okay. So what are those traumas or those things that happen to you? I know because, you know, I've read your book. And so I want you to share it with our audience today. Well, I, I really appreciate you for inviting me here and for the program that you have developed to help people to deal with the difficulties of life. And your name alone, Pamela Hope. And there's hope in the future that gives you power in the present. And so I'm, I'm really excited that you've decided to take a stand with your life. You know, we all taught that think it not strange that you'll face the fiery furnaces of this world. You will not. You might. You will have tribulations. And it really is not about what I have gone through because we all got a story. There's a song that came out years ago. Somebody done me wrong story. Everybody has a story. Uh, Forrest Gump, one of my favorite movies, said that life is like a box of chocolates. You you're going to get not from a lot of about that. That's <laughs> right. That's right. You're absolutely right. Yeah. So I want to I want to focus on how do you handle it when your prayers aren't answered? How do you handle it? When you're going through some stuff, how do you handle it when you have a broken heart or empty pockets or you're going through a foreclosure or you've lost your job or you're cringing and nervous waiting on a relief check that does not give you any relief at all? Right, right. <laughs> how do you handle it? So uh, what you've decided to do is what I've decided to do it to help people that they're where we once were and let them know that there's hope. And, and part of the process is knowing what you focus on the longest becomes the strongest. This too shall pass. And it requires the discipline of your mind. We can't control the thoughts that come in our mind, but we can control the thoughts that we dwell on. I was at Cancer Centers of America day before yesterday. And one of the things that I, as I was listening to the oncologist who was just surprised, wow, he said, 29 years, you've been dealing with fourth stage cancer. Wow, how, how do you deal with that? I said, I don't focus on that. My goal is focusing on living. Absolutely, absolutely. Yes, and so, it's very important for people to know where focus goes, energy flows. What is it you want to create? How do you see your life in and out of the pandemic? What is it that you're going to change about you? You're still here. You're not taking a dirt nap. And so you are here because of God's grace and mercy. There's a work for you to do, the greater work, if you please. And is it going to be easy? No. But we know that it's possible and that it's necessary that you keep it moving, that you are actively engaged in bringing about the change in yourself, number one, because faith not tested can't be trusted. And you know, it cannot be trusted. And, and you have to keep it moving. You have to look at and think about what is it I want to do now? You have to assess your life and and, and make them clear decisions. We make decisions, and our decisions make us. 
And so I've been in situations where I went through a foreclosure for the first home that I bought for my mother because a mistake that I made. I didn't do a title search. I've gone through divorce from someone that I love very much. I've been fired, <laughs> you know, all the stuff that people deal with on a regular basis. But I'm still here. I'm not taking a dirt nap. And mm -hmm. so what we have to do is realize, and here's something that I believe strongly, that life is a fight for territory. And once you stop fighting for what you want, what you don't want will automatically take over. And so what I realized in the 76 years that I've been on the planet and something that Frederick Douglass said, he said, we might not get everything that we fight for, but everything we get, there will be a fight. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yes, so we got to fight the good fight, you know? And, and by doing that, by focusing on creating solutions and preparing yourself for the next greatest version of yourself and looking for opportunities and making up your mind. There is a solution here. And I'm going to turn this adversity into my advantage. And when you have that kind of mindset, you, you create a magnetism about yourself. You begin to attract the people, the things, the resources, the money, everything you need in order to snatch victory from the jaws of defeat. See, we all have the power, the authority, and dominion over our lives, but most people never exercise it. Most people die at age 25 and don't get buried till they're 65 because they don't know the truth of who they are. You know that play Lion King, Simba, <laughs> that which you have become. We yeah. have that which you, we have become. But when you live in a culture that destroys your sense of self, that demonizes you, that dismiss you, that, that don't allow you to be able to have access, that the whole system is designed to hold you down, to oppress you, and it is relentless, and it's everywhere. But you got to fight. You got to be hungry. <laughs> yes. Yes. You take no prisoners and eat the wounded and start at their ears like Mike Tyson. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. So we look at you, you go through some stuff, but you say, you know what? That's not going to define me. You know what? It will refine me, but it will not define me. Yes. Most people spend more time being bitter rather than focusing on getting better mm -hmm. so that they can begin to advance themselves, so that they can do what Dr. Miles Monroe said, rob the cemetery of your ideas, of your gifts, of your treasures. And most people enrich the cemetery. Most people, when they die, after two weeks, there are no more conversations about them because they did not live a life of significance. They died in what Brian Tracy called the danger zone, the comfort zone. And when you have goals and dreams outside of your comfort zone, you discover this power in pursuit. You discover a part of yourself that you don't know right now. Life is about taking some chances 
and betting on you and understanding and knowing that there's some things that you can do that eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor has entered the heart of mankind what God has in store for you. Absolutely. Mr. Brown, can we go back a little bit? Yes. I want to steer this back to your story to being adopted by Miss Mamie Brown, being left in an abandoned building, right? And then all of these years, through all the adversities that you had, you're now 76, correct? Yeah. And all these years, never knew who your birth parents were. But then... No, three weeks ago. Come on, say it again. How many? Three weeks ago. Look at God. I found the, the missing piece to the puzzle. Come on uh, now. brother and I, we were secrets. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Come on now. The secret is out. Here I am in Atlanta. My birth mother and father, they were born in Gainesville, Georgia. Mm -hmm. For the first time three weeks ago, I laid eyes on a picture of them. And I met two brothers that I had no idea that I had and a sister. And so this thing called life is just full of so many surprises. I, I feel like Mother Teresa. She said, Lord, I know you know how much I can bear. I just wish you didn't have so much confidence in me. <laughs> right, right. Right, exactly, exactly. That's how I feel sometimes. Yeah, and it's been it's it's really been a roller coaster experience emotionally, meeting them and my cousins and other relatives. It's it's it, and and people who who knew my mother, my birth mother, who gave me life and Mamie Brown. She taught me how to live life. I always say that. God took me out of my biological mother's womb and placed me in the heart of my adopted mother. All that Man. I am and all that I ever hoped to be, I owe to my mother. And, and they said that my birth mother, her name was Dorothy Bell Rucker, and she was a motivational speaker and teacher and educator and graduated from Savannah State College. And my Grandmother was a motivational speaker, and she built the first school of teaching black kids how to read and taught them how to teach other black kids how to read. And they said uh, she learned how to read herself, reading the newspaper that was used to insulate the walls in the cabin that she lived in. They said she was hungry to learn. And my book that's out now is called Hungry, you've got to be hungry. The greatness within to win. Yes, I mean, you, you, you know, how do you explain this? <laughs> Those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, right thinking, right words, right emotions, right relationships, and right decisions shall be filled. And so, just this discovery process, they, they have the Beulah Rucker Museum in Gainesville, Georgia. They have a bus of her. And I, I went there and I saw it. And it has been a, 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 a feeling of now I know where I got this gift from. 
Is but it a sense of completeness? Yes. But, that but you didn't know that you didn't have? Yes, it, it, it did help me to understand myself better, but it also raised some questions. Mm. I have two brothers that she raised, and they're nothing like me. <laughs> okay, they, they still in Gainesville. So I believe that we all have built-in greatness, but most people don't take the time to invest the effort mm -hmm. and focus to develop that greatness. We all have it. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Mm -hmm. Most people don't take the time to do that because that they say there are three types of people. There are people who make things happen, people that watch things happen, and people that don't know what happened. That's right. <laughs> that's right. And I definitely don't want to be one of those. No, you don't want to be a spectator. You decided that you're going to be a player. Absolutely. Absolutely. In your book, uh, it's so many different good things that are in this book. But one thing that stood out to me was greatness requires unshakable faith. Yeah. It doesn't matter what happens to you. It matters what happens in you. And most importantly, how you handle it. And you have handled it like a pro. I'm telling you, well, what you. God has entrusted uh, in your hands, you know what I'm saying? Your trials make you stronger, but they make you stronger for the greater blessings ahead. Yes. There's a quote that I love very much. It says, in life, you will be faced with a series of God-ordained opportunities, mm -hmm. brilliantly disguised as problems and challenges. Yes. And so when we see the adversity in life as a God-ordained opportunity, as something that we have the power, authority, and dominion to turn it to our advantage. Mm -hmm. Your perspective is what determines how things are going to turn out. And yeah. if you see yourself and living your life as a spectator, as opposed to having ownership in your life, Mm. And not acting like somebody who's being owned. Wow. But somebody that's in charge, that there's a different way in which you show up and what you tap into. And and this is this is a time. We were chosen for this point in time. It's no accident that you're still here and that those who are watching and and listening to us now, the coronavirus has not taken them out. Absolutely. Because they've been chosen to do the greater work. Absolutely. And we don't want to look past that. When I wake up in the morning, I said, Lord, thank you for waking me up. Thank you for life. Thank you for waking me up in my right mind. All things work together for good for those who love God and for those who are called according to his purpose. And the other affirmation that I love is, Lord, whatever or whatsoever, because I'm in Atlanta, whatsoever. <laughs> I face today together, you and I can handle it. Yes. I'm in Alabama, so I definitely can relate. Yeah. <laughs> One thing um, that I really want to highlight as well as what made you tell your story, tell the truth? Because so many times people are ashamed 
And Satan will have you trying to cover those things up. Even things like your you being adopted. You know, those are things that people don't talk about. But that was your blessing. That was what God used in you to help millions of people. And then now look at what he's done. When you think that, you know, 76 life is almost over. Now you have a whole nother chapter of life that you're getting ready to write a whole nother script. I believe I'm in overtime, but I, I I think that when I look at my life and 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 look at how unpredictable life is, every day is a blessing. I remember yes. Frank Sinatra. I, I was at a table with him when Gladys and I were together, and he said, "Live each day as if it were your last, mm-hmm. because one day it will be." Mm-hmm. And and when we know that, remember when Michael Jackson said, "This is it," mm-hmm. but it was not the it that he was talking about. Right, you make no mistake. Yeah, so we have to live with a sense of urgency. Mm-hmm. And life has no duplicate, as a friend of mine told me that it has no duplicate, and we want to maximize each day. And and when when Gerald Jackson said that to me, I thought about it. It does not happen any duplicate and so we we want to to make our lives count we yep. want to live a way in which our lives is a gift it's been said that life is god's gift to us and how we live our lives is our gift to god. god yes yes i mean you're such an inspiration my mother is a great inspiration to me as well at the age of 73 you know you see a lot of people you know being in a rocking chair on in in on their front porch, just watching life pass by. But or on the couch watching Netflix. Yeah, on exactly. the couch. Yeah, exactly. 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 Who does that? But yeah. at the age of seventy three, my mother bought a motorcycle. Wow. Motorcycle. After my own kind, but I ain't. Yeah. <laughs> I believe in God working overtime. That's right. That's right. That's right. And and you, you're talking about age 76. You look so amazing and not slowing down, just still inspired, still to inspire, to help people, you know, to bring out their greatness in them. And I'm just super grateful. I am so grateful that, you know, you accepted the call on your life and you're still helping people, helping me. And, you know, you still have that burning desire, so. That hunger, that, that hunger is different than desire. Yeah. I've decided to do when I started uh, hunger, mm-hmm. hungry to speak, that in order for us to, to change our lives, Benjamin Franklin said, until those who are unaffected are as outraged as those who are affected mm. will never take place. And Steve Jobs said, the storyteller is the most powerful person in the world. And so my goal now, you learn, you earn, you pass it on. 
Yeah. And so I've been speaking and telling my story, and and now I'm teaching people how to create a significant emotional event and how to transform people individually and collectively so that they can live their dreams rather than live their fears. And and anybody that's listening that that's interested in and taking their story, something that Cheryl Woods says. She said, what you're sitting on, somebody is waiting on. I I strongly believe that, that as we look at ourselves, look at our goals and dreams, Harz Mann said we should be ashamed to die until we've made some major contribution to humankind. And so Mm -hmm. my goal is to train people who want to live a life of significance, who want to live an impactful life, who, who want to be able to to leave a legacy because we have it like that. Absolutely. Now I'm having a power surge and they're, they're signaling me that you got another call of it here, but I enjoy just the in, the chemistry that we have together. And yes. I want to say that thank you for the invitation and for the impact that you're making. Know that, and they're watching, and there are people whose lives that you're transforming, and as a result of you, their lives will never be the same again. As a result of the commitment and the stand that you've taken with your life and your show, that you will live a larger life, that you were chosen for this as much as you have chose this. You were chosen for this. Mm. Well, I received that. I received all of that. I've also, um, what you have, you and John Tellerico have inspired me to do. I have been reading the Bible over the past 20 plus years, the whole Bible every year. And so the Holy Spirit inspired me to share it with the world. And so I get up every morning at 6 a.m. and go live, mm. share it with the world in my uh, private Facebook group, Broken Pieces to Peace. I love that. Turning broken pieces into peace. Yes, sir. Flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you, but my heavenly father, which are in heaven. You better believe it. You better believe it. You better yeah. believe Yes, because I I definitely have been through some things and your story resonated with me with, you know, me being an only child of 16 children and finding out that my the man who I thought was my father was not my father. And think about, you know, me finding that out at a tender age in my early teens, you know, a, a teenager going through puberty. And, you know, there were no conversations or any consoling. So therefore, I had to walk that journey to healing alone. And it has taken me, I'm now, what, 51? And you have helped that healing process in a major way. Yeah, but you weren't talking about it. You weren't walking it alone. He said, I'll never leave you. No forsake forsake you. No, it was right there all the time. Amen. Got to pay more attention to it, but because we live in a time that they call it the 
distraction economy. We get become so distracted, we think we are by ourselves. Absolutely. And there are people, when they hear your voice, it will bring them comfort. Even when your program is over, your voice will be with them when they're in a tough time in a dark place because you will remind them that they are the light. Absolutely. 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 That is definitely, you know, my aspiration is to be the light, to be salt and to be light. That's what we have been commissioned to be. And so. All right. Well, I want us to stay in touch. I'm looking forward to us giving each other a virtual hug. For and sure. We to change lives together. I just came from a, a, podiatrist, a podiatrist and an ingrown toenail, and this toenail say, you don't have to wind this up now because I'm throbbing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I am so grateful for you taking out the time to spend this 38 minutes of greatness with me to change, to continue to change lives and inspire people to be better and to have that hunger within them and to inspire them to know, you know, if we can do anything, just let them know that God is a God who will never leave you nor forsake you. And he knows the outcome. He knows the full story. So just trust him. Just trust him and believe him. Yes. You got it. All right. Well, this has been Mrs. Mamie Brown's baby boy and Dorothy Rucker's pride and joy. <laughs> Bye for now. Bye for now. I love you. Thank you so much. Yes. Same here. I love you. And there's nothing you can do about it. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Have care. a fantastic day. Bye. Thank you. you too. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for sharing this time with me. Oh, we didn't even go in the chat. We didn't even go in the chat. But um, I know that you all were inspired. I know that you all, you know, uh, there is no way that you could not have been inspired by that interview. That's a such a blessing and a privilege and an honor for me to be able to have Mr. Les Brown himself to come on. Episode number two of Who Wouldn't Serve a God Like This. So I want you to subscribe. I want you to share, love, and like. And I want you to join us in the morning for reading the Bible, 365 days. All right. So join us on that challenge. Thank you so much for joining us. I love you all. Bye for now.